Father, we come before you, and it's just my prayer for every one of us that we'd be able to see you as that today, as a father, father that's good, father who has our best interest in mind, who loved us enough to send your son to die for us. May each of us experience that love today. May we be drawn into your presence. May we be encouraged, strengthened where we're weak. May we have just a new view of life because we were here before you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. That'd be wonderful. Thanks so much for being here. If you're watching online, we'd love to have you here sometime in person. So we have a lot of friendly folks here and just love to have you come down and join us. That would be awesome. So last week uh, that I went and had an amazing experience, uh, I uh, celebrated a big birthday. Um, it was my 50th birthday. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I have a little more gray hair than that, right? It was the big 6-0, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I decided I would celebrate my 60th birthday in Disneyland. And so I took my daughter, who was also had a birthday, who turned 17, and we went with my wife to Disneyland last week, and so that's why I wasn't here. Uh, I went on Saturday, just so you know, and had a, a really a good experience, but the bad news is I picked up another bug while I was there, so throat coat again, that's what we're doing today, is this throat coat stuff. Uh, but the really sweet thing was last Sunday, I was able to go to church with my son at the church he attends, and now he serves and works in their high school department. And uh, so I'm praying for him today because I'm speaking and he's speaking today for his high school department. And so that's just really cool. It was wonderful to see him and the place he's at and what God's doing there. Uh, really, really fun. So when Jesus was on earth and he was teaching, as part of the, uh, great, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he looked at the people who were his followers, and, and he said to them, he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Now, when he said that, you have to know that <clears throat> what he means is the earth is bland. In contrast to you and what you're going to bring, the earth is bland, and so as you come into the earth, you're going to bring flavor and seasoning and life to the world. And in the next breath, he said, you are the light of the world. You, you are the light of the world. Now, we have to understand when he said that, what he means is the world is a dark place. And so as you come into the world, you bring light and freshness and life to the world. And when you look at those two commands, as you know, sayings that Jesus made, which actually can be commands as you look at them, to go and to be the salt and the light... What we're doing in this series is we're taking this concept and we're saying, we believe as a church, maybe this is your first time here and you don't know this, but we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. He is the hope of the world. And then he's given his church the responsibility to display him to the world, to be salt and light. And so therefore, we're calling this series, Be the Hope. That we would go, and we, we know that we're not the hope, that he's the hope, but we're going to bring him to the world that the world may have hope. We're called to live for something greater than ourselves. As followers of Jesus Christ, that we would connect and we would engage in something that brings move, meaning, but also movement into our world. 
This is not a movement where we're going to bring people to here and we'll all just do everything within the four walls. But what happens within these four walls was designed to go out and impact our world, to be the hope. And we do that as we're talking about in this series. We're just kind of laying it out as we move forward to uh, celebrating in a couple of weeks our 25th anniversary. We just want to rethink why we do church, why we're here, why has God called us, and what is it we're actually called to do and to be in our community, in our world. And so we've been talking about it. We said the first thing is that we've been talking about the building blocks of discipleship. And the first one is that we would belong and we would connect together as part of God's family. The second one is, is that we would become, that we would grow to become like God's son, like Jesus Christ. The third one is, is that we would bless God's world. And we talked about the fact that if we're going to bless God's world, it would be financially as we give And then with our acts of service, as we serve and we give our lives away. And then Pastor John talked about the idea that we are here to build God's kingdom. We are working with him to build his kingdom on earth. Jesus said that you should pray that his kingdom would come. His kingdom would come. And we're here to work with him to be part of building his kingdom on earth. And today we're going to look at the last B, okay? The all Bs, building blocks, all Bs. The last one is that we would believe. As individuals and as a church that we would agree that part of our responsibility is to believe God. Believe he's who he said he is and that he can do what he says he can do and act on that and to move out. Belief is an action. It's not that something in our head. So we're going to talk about this idea that we believe means we start with belief, we stay with belief, we um, stand in belief, and we stay with belief. So it's kind of a problem. We start, we stand, and we stay. All of that in our process of becoming like Jesus and being the hope for our world. So that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to look at today. So if you would, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. That's where we're going to be looking at today, Romans 4. If you don't own a Bible, love to give you one. And if you stop at the bookshelf right out those doors, there's some bookshelf, there's some Bibles on that bookshelf. Give you one. It's our gift to you today. Also, pull out these message notes because I want you to write down some thoughts today as God brings them to mind as I get to speak. Um, and you can write them here. All the Bible verses be here if that's easier for you. As well as we go through this, I want to read the verse that Pastor John read a few moments ago from Romans chapter 4, from verse 3. And Paul is writing, and he says, For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed. Would you circle that? Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteousness because of his faith. We're going to talk about that belief today that God counted as righteousness. Faith leads us to believe, it leads us to this place where we believe. As we're going to see today, that believing is not just something that happens in my head, but believing is something that happens in my actions. So I have confidence in what I know about God, and therefore, because I have confidence, I'm willing, some of us, to take baby steps of acts, of actions. Some of us, you know, take larger, you know, longer steps. Some of us just leap right off and take an action step with God of faith. Scared you, didn't I? Thought I was coming down, man. Woo! <laughs> It'd be the last time I ever did that if I did. <laughs> oh. So the first step in faith is just to know facts, okay? We talked about this on Christmas Eve. So when you know, I, I know facts. So the first step is I need to know what 
God says about himself. So I know facts about God. Now, it's wonderful to know facts about God, but if I don't make those facts my facts, then they're not my truth. And so the next step is I take the facts I know about God and I make them my truth. I'm going to adopt these as my truth system. I'm going to believe these. And that's a growth process. It doesn't mean you're going to do it, you know, all of what God says all at once, but you're going to try, you're going to trust him and you're going to walk with him. And then the last step is not only do I know facts, not only believe they're my facts, but now I'm going to act on them in life. I'm going to step out and I'm going to do something with what I know and step out with him. Real faith is when I have such confidence in the truth that I know, the truth I've made about mine, that I act on it. And that's what it means to believe. It's not something that we just want to sign off and say, I checked the box and said, I believe everything you believe. Not at all, but it's I'm going to act on what I believe. I'm going to act on what we believe together as a church. So we're going to look at a man named Abraham. And we're going to look at several verses today. And so I'm going to begin by reading these verses from Genesis 12. (laughs) Genesis 12, 1. Uh, We've read these several weeks in the series, or I've alluded to them. Uh, because this is where we get the idea of, you know, be the hope, and the, the, we're here to bring the blessing to the world out of the promise to Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father. By the way, Abram was name was changed to Abraham, so in case that confuses anyone, Abram, Abraham, this guy, I'm going to call him Abraham today mostly as we go through this. And your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. Now, that's pretty cool, right? I'll bless you and make you famous. You know, like, I don't know, in our world, we, we all, many people are just striving for fame all the time. But God says, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to make you famous. And is Abraham famous? Yeah, yeah, I'd say he is. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. I like that part, too. If I'm Abraham, I'm like, yeah, I'll sign me up for that one that you're going to come against all my enemies, everyone who stands against me. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Once again, I'm going to like this promise. I love it. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed. So God came to Abraham, and he gave him this great promise. I will make you, I will make you a great nation. I will make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. In another place, it says, count all the stars of the sky, and you're descendants will be more numerous than the stars of the sky. As Paul quotes in Genesis 15, it's not on your notes anywhere, it says that Abram believed and God counted it as righteousness. Now that's the same thing that Paul quoted in Romans 4. So it comes from Genesis 15 actually. He believed. Now in order to do what Abraham did, it wasn't just information. It had to be something that he believed in his heart, but then he had to take action on it. And that's what Hebrews 11.8, when it holds up Abraham, as a father of the faith, says about him, it says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave home. So it was by faith. He obeyed God. He called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. This is faith. He went without knowing where he was going. He comes home one day and he says, hey, honey, God talked to me. God spoke to me. God told me that we are to go to another place. We're going to load up everything, going to take you away from your family, away from my family. She goes, fine, where are we going? I don't know. (laughs) Well, you expect me to load up everything and go with you to a place you don't even know? Well, that's what God said. Well, how do we know we're going to get there? I don't know. Uh, So most 
you know, so we're going to keep going and doing this. And she signs on, Sarah signs on and goes with Abraham. And he steps out to go where God has called him to go. So he acted. He acted on what God said. And because he acted on what God, God said, he did become famous. He did have a nation was birthed from him that was more numerous than the stars in the sky. So let's just look at verse 13. Let's jump down. And that's where we're going to look at today, 13 through 25 in chapter 4. And these talk about Abraham's faith and how he had enough confidence in what he knew about God to act. Now, I'll just give you context because it's always nice to know why verses are there and the context as we talk about them. Uh, In the first 12 verses of this chapter, you can read these on your own and study them, Paul lays out the argument and he's talking about how because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross that that was enough, and that we no longer had to observe the law to be accepted by God, to be acceptable to him, that we would by grace receive what Jesus did for us on the cross, and that we would then be saved. We would be set free, we would be redeemed, we would become God's children. So he's talking about all that, and he uses Abraham as his example to say Abraham was a man who lived by faith. And it wasn't because of the law. We're going to read that in a moment. It wasn't because of the things he did that made him acceptable to God. It was because he trusted God and God's grace. So this is it. Faith is belief that acts. So I just want you to get that down. Faith is belief that acts. So let's just look at these verses, verse 13, and I'm going to give you the point first and we'll read the verse. The point first is this. Faith that believes is based upon God's provision. Faith that believes is based on God's provision. Okay, verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law. So it didn't come through observance of the law is what he's saying, but through the righteousness of what? Faith. The righteousness of faith. For it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. So if it had to be by our works, then faith is just in nothing because I'm trying on my own to earn my way into favor with God. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. Underline that, circle it, highlight it. You want to come back to this. May rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So even those who are adhering to the law, it's still going to be by grace that God guarantees that they're going to be coming to the kingdom, ultimately, as we turn to what God has done for us on the cross. So God made a promise to Abraham, but that promise was not conditional on Abraham's performance. I don't know about you, but I live on that performance track all the time, and I'm just so happy to know that God's not judging me in my performance as to whether I'm acceptable to him or not. And that's what this is saying to us. He's not judging us in that way. It was based on instead, not my performance, but it's based on God's provision. And what did he provide? He provided grace. He provided grace for us. God would do what he planned. Abraham could not earn it. You and I cannot earn it. We won't make it better by our activity for God. Not in any way. We can receive it and we can rest on grace. Faith is a gift of grace. 
And grace is, grace is the basis of faith. Basis of faith. All our efforts to please God by our work or our deeds, they're put to rest in grace. Now, last summer, when we went through our free series and we walked verse by verse through the New Testament book of Galatians, we talked about grace and we defined it this way, that God, grace is God's unmerited, transforming favor given to us apart from what we've done or what we do for God. So it's a gift that God gives us, unmerited, we can't earn it, that's given to us apart from what we've done or what we do for God, apart from our spiritual performance. Now, I don't know about you, but this is hard to, kind of hard to comprehend in some ways as we stop and chew this and think about it. Faith is a gift of grace because I don't, it, I'm wired, like I said, for performance. I'm wired for measurement to make sure that I measure up, to make sure that I'm doing enough to be accepted and to earn favor. So when I come to this whole idea of grace is the basis of faith, I realize that, no, it's a gift that God wants to give us, and I can rest in that. So faith is a gift. Grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. So I I don't have to say, you know, I just don't have enough faith. Well, I just don't have enough faith. Boy, if I just had more faith. And so, oh, I guess I just need to go to church more. I guess I need to talk to people about Jesus. I, I know I'll just give more an offering time today, and that'll give me more faith. No, no, no. Faith is a gift that God gives us as we say to him, I want to receive your grace, and I want to rest in you. Faith believes is Faith that believes is based on God's provision. Now, that's what, you know, Paul is refuting the whole performance trap, and I want to go on and move past that just a little bit. But the good news is that God's guarantee is not based on our performance. It's based on God's character, okay? If you're ever thinking that somehow you've not measured up, it's because you now are doubting the character of God. When God says you measure up through Christ and what he's done. So you want to set yourself free and rest Faith is, that believes is provision. It's God's provision, and that provision is grace. So I just ask, are you striving in your efforts to be pleasing to God? Now, one of the ways we do this is we, know if we're, we try to be pleasing to others. And we think if we're pleasing to others, then we'll be pleased, surely be pleasing to God as well, because we really can't see God. So you just ask, am I spending all my time striving to be pleasing, or am I basing my life on the provision that God's given me that I can rest in grace. Okay, the second idea is this. We're going to go on to some more verses. Faith that believes is based upon God's presence. On God's presence. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed. Circle that, underline it, highlight presence of God, presence of God. The level, I'll say it this way, and you're going to think, well, this is just about performance. It's not. I'm going to make it clear. The level or strength or resilience of your faith is directly proportionate to the intimacy you've developed with God. The level or strength or endurance, or um, resilience of your faith 
is directly proportionate to the intimacy that you've developed with God. So low intimacy with God, low resilience, low resilience. High intimacy with God, high resilience, high faith with him. See, Abraham, what it's saying here, Abraham didn't believe in the principles of God. He believed in the person of God. Now, I've talked to you about this quite a bit in the last few years, that um, God has really helped me to, and, and I think helped our church to move beyond um, believing that if we teach the principles of God, that lives will be changed, and to a point where we're now teaching the presence of God, which gives us the strength to live out the principles of God, and that's how lives will be changed. And so it's been a direct shift that happened as a result of my crash, and uh, my crash into depression, and uh, I don't, you know, those of you know that 13 years ago, I went through interferon for the first time for my hepatitis C. For 13 months, I was on that nasty drug, and at the end of that time, uh, I had been a responder, then I relapsed, and it came back after hell for 13 months, and so I, because of the medication and because of the emotional letdown, I spiraled into depression, and it was a depression that lasted for 13 years. It was a long, long. I went through the interferon again, was actually cured of hepatitis C, uh, had many other things happen along the way. You know, because of having a liver, liver that's compromised, I wasn't able to take, you know, the normal medications that people take for depression. And so it just was me and God. And so I was walking through this season. And then five years ago, I realized something. Five year, years ago, I realized something. You know, I know God's principles. And I'm holding God captive right now to the fact that I'm keeping his principles. And therefore, because I'm keeping his principles, then he owes me something, and I need to be out of depression. I want to feel joy again, and I don't want to feel this way. I've been teaching his principles for over 20 years, but I had this revelation that came from God. I know it was from him. God's principles without God's presence are never enough. Never enough. So five years ago, I started in a search, and I started in a search to look for a way that I could experience the presence of God, look for him. Well, that has been a long, arduous, and now I will say extremely rewarding journey that's changed my life, changed my life, as I've moved into more and more into learning what it's like to live in the presence of God, to be able to know that he is my good, good father, and to walk with him, to know him, to be able to experience him, to be able to experience his son, to be able to experience Holy Spirit with me, the presence of God. And because of that, what I'm seeing now is I have new power. <laughs> First of all, the depression was lifted. And so that's a praise God, I'll say for that. And for any of you in depression, I know what it's like to be there, and um, I don't want to go down that slippery slope again. And so that's lifted. But what I've seen happen is, is that now, here's what's really cool. Now, because I'm with the, in the presence of God, and I'm practicing that, I'm not perfect, okay? I'm practicing the presence of God, is that now I'm finding more power to carry out the principles of God in direct proportion, to spending time with him, more power to carry those out. The presence of God gives me the courage and the strength to act on what I know to be true about him, to live that out. So how about you? Okay, just how about you? Are you striving to carry out the principles of God 
or is your striving to know God and to know him better? It's as we know him that our faith is strengthened, we step out. Okay, third idea is this. Faith that believes is built on God's promises. It's built on God's promises. So as I walk with God and I get to know him better than be- better and better, what happens is I get to know him and his promises better and better. I know what he can do, and I trust him that, uh, to do what he can do that I can't do and what he wants to do in my life. And really, it comes down to I, I've learned to trust him and what he's going to do in the lives of others uh, because I understand his character and his power and his strength. Okay, look at these verses from 17b through 18. The God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So, you know, life to the dead. So this is an, an allusion to creation and that God created from nothing, something from nothing. And so some of us, you look at your life right now and you, you're kind of feeling like there's a dead spot. And in some ways, that's what was true about Abraham and Sarah we're going to talk about this in a little bit. There was a dead spot. And so the encouragement is that God creates something from nothing into existence of things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope. I'll come back and talk about what that phrase means. That he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. Underline that. As he had been told. That's God's promise. God had spoken to him. Now, he didn't have the Bible, but God spoke to him directly uh, about the promise that he had given So here's what I want you to understand. When God promises something, God has the power to make it happen. When he promises it, if God can raise the dead from the ground, if he can create something from nothing, if he is able to create the universe that we see, then he's able to do anything he wants, anything. And God is both willing and able to carry out his promises. So Abraham acted on faith, on the promise, even though he knew there was no human way that what God was saying could ever come true. Now, it says he believed in a hope that was against hope. What does that mean? It was an idiom. It's, a, it's just a phrase that's used to make it a point, and the point is this. He had hope when things looked hopeless. That's what it means. He had hope when things look hopeless. Now, think about your world right now. What in your world are you thinking right now is hopeless? Abraham faced hopeless hopeless circumstances and hopeless um, because he knew that he could not do what God would said was going to happen. He could never do that on his own. So it was hopeless in his own power, and he had hope in spite of that. That's what hope against hope means. He didn't have faith in his own wishes. He had faith because he trusted in God. So Abraham's faith was built on God's word, and this is why I want to encourage you. One of the best ways to get to know God, to be in his presence, is through his word. So I encourage you to read the Bible. So I encourage you to read some Bible every day. And then as you're reading the Bible, this is what happens in my life. Sometimes it's richer than others. As I'm reading the Bible, then God, he just leaps off the page. And as he leaps off the page, then I've showed you this before. It's kind of like it's a speed bump. All of a sudden I'm reading along, hit a speed bump and just stop when you hit the speed bump because that's God speaking to you right there. 
and he wants to show you a promise. He wants to speak to you in some way. And I'll just say this. The more you get this book into your minds and your hearts, the stronger your faith will be because the more promises of God you'll know and the more intimacy you'll, you'll have with him as you do that and you live. As we read this book, what happens is God opens the eyes and the, of my heart. He opens my mind that I can see him in a new way and see him in a new way. So I just want to say, what promises has God given you that you're holding on to? What promises are you giving up on? You would say it's hopeless. Like Abraham, can you hope against the hopeless and trust God that he will carry out his promises? And that's going to take us to this next idea is this. Faith that believes is bigger than my problems. Faith that believes is bigger than my problems, bigger than my circumstances. So 19 through 20, A, it says this. He, talking about Abraham, did not weaken in faith when he considered... So that word considered, that means that he's thinking about his reality. So he's facing the facts. And so I just want to encourage you that there's a time in in your faith journey where you just need to stop and face the facts. And so he was facing the facts about his own body, which was as good as dead. And I'm thinking about turning 60, and I'm thinking about, oh my, Abraham's around 100, and so, you know, he's thinking, I'm good as dead. <laughs> and you're saying to me, I'm going to become a daddy? I'm going to become a daddy? Uh, and then he also considered the barrenness of his own wife's womb. She's about 90. And so he's going, you know, that really? I'm impotent. She's not able. And so we're going to have a baby? And, um, and so, but then it says, no, do you hear this? No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Wow, is right. No unbelief. You have some unbelief right now? Are you, are you looking at culture right now thinking, wow, oh, I've got a, a lot of unbelief. How's God ever going to make something out of this? No unbelief made him waver that God was going to keep his promise, that God was in control. And he faced the facts of his circumstances even though they looked hopeless. I'm 100. My wife is barren. There's no way we can have kids. No way at all. There was nothing in his power that he could do to control the outcome that God had promised. So since he couldn't control the outcome, what could he do? He took a step. He went. He left the place that God had called him to be. He said, you know what? I'm just going to take steps, and I don't know exactly how this is going to come out. But somewhere along the line, my wife's going to have a baby. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) And he did. He just took steps. Against all hope, he believed the hope because he believed in the God that he had placed his faith. So faith is not just pretending, you know, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's wonderful with God. Faith is not pretending. Faith is in reality trusting God. That facing the facts about your situation, life can be tough. Life can be hard, and trusting him in the circumstance. And Abraham faced his problems with faith. He knew God had called him. He knew that God would do what he was promised. He just didn't know how, and so he kept stepping out with him. So I just ask, what in your world looks as good as dead right now? You're giving up hope. You're wondering how God could ever make something come from this. What is it that you're waiting on that hasn't been fulfilled, that you, you really feel at some point God gave you a promise? 
where you sense God leading you to do something, but yet you're stuck because you don't see how. Just encourage you like Abraham that you would take steps and realize that God is bigger than our problems. Okay, and the last idea is this. Faith that believes is boosted by my praise. It's boosted by my praise. This is what it says in verses 20b through 25. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Circle that, underline it, highlight it. As he gave glory to God. That's praise. Fully convinced or persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. This is where it gets really good today. So it's one thing to talk about what Abraham is going to get, and now all of a sudden, guess what? He's talking about what is true for who? True for us, true for those who are in Christ. So now it switches to this is what's true for you. It will be counted to all us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So one of the, one of the strengtheners of faith for me, and you know, I kind of wish we could have church every day, uh, I do, personally. Um, and what, the thing about church, not that, not so that we could have teaching every day, but so that we could sing together every day. There's just something that happens for me when we sing together. And I just want to encourage you. You know, some of you aren't making it yet for the singing, that you're missing out on what I think is the most important part of what we do in many ways. Because as we praise, what happens is we're just, we just unleash our heart and as, we, as I talked about this earlier, uh, and worship is where I, and singing is, I'm rehearsing the goodness of God out loud. And other people are doing it too. So other people are also singing of their belief in God. And so one of the ways that we praise God is through singing. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week as we talk about how do we bring God glory. But it doesn't just have to be in music. Let me just give you a list here. I just made up a list of ways I think we can praise God. In case some of you are thinking it only comes from singing, here's some ways we praise God. I praise God when I speak and tell him how great he is. That's praising God. I praise God when I quiet my heart and listen to him. That's praising God. I praise God when I step out and act in faith on what he's called me to do. I praise God when I give generously as an act of gratitude. I praise God when I serve where I don't feel gifted to serve. I praise God when I tell others about his love. I praise God when I stop and pray for a friend. What, how's that praising God? You're declaring that you believe God's going to answer. That's praising him. I praise God when I help a person in need. I praise God when I engage in spiritual conversations with others because I believe that God is going to use this conversation, if not in their life, but in my life. I praise God when I read his, read his word. I praise God when I trust him instead of worrying. Oh, man, this has been so good for me, this Philippians 4. I've just been digging into Philippians 4 this week. So need that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, and it says the Lord is near, practicing his presence. I praise God when I, um, when he, when I let go of the outcomes around me. Anybody need that one? That's praising God when I let go of the outcomes. I praise God when I get out of bed and go to a job I dislike. I praise God when I stay in a job and a marriage that's not fulfilling. I praise God when I bring my kids to church so they can hear about him. 
I praise God when I go on mission trips, like to Mexico or Uganda. That's an act of faith. I'm praising him. See, the beauty, those are just some of the ways I believe we can praise God besides singing. The beauty of the promise that God gave to Abraham that Paul now uses as the example is that God's promise of provision of grace is available to everyone. It's available to all of us. Just as his faith was counted to him as righteousness, your faith is counted to you as righteousness as you believe in what God made possible through Jesus on the cross. Just as Abraham believed and acted in faith, when you believe and act in your faith, that pleases God. That pleases him in every way. Just as Abraham believed and acted, when we experience the presence of God, we also can believe and act. Just as Abraham believed and acted in faith when he built his life on God's promises, we can praise God. We can have faith when we build our life on God's promises. Just as Abraham believed and acted in faith that was bigger than his problems, when we act in a faith that's bigger than what we see because we believe God is bigger than those, then it creates faith. And our faith, just like Abraham, is boosted when we praise him. And I thought, well, how do I end this today? How do we end it? Uh, I really don't want to end. I just want to keep going and talking about this, but you want to go home, I know. <laughs> and so I, I came across this verse from Philippians 1.6. Most of you will know, many of you will know this, but it's from the message paraphrase. And I just want to end by reading this. Paul's writing, and he says this about his faith, his belief. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to, notice this, a flourishing finish, a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. That is living in faith. And God has promised he will bring it to a flourishing finish beyond what we can even imagine. Bow your heads and let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for Jesus first, and I want to thank you for the gift of grace that he made possible, that each one of us right now, whether we're sitting watching online at home or we're sitting right here in the service, that we would turn our hearts to you, Jesus. We just say, Jesus, I need you. Maybe you've never said that before, never been verbal about your need. Maybe you've felt it, but you've never said it. You can say it now. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, will you forgive me for my sin? Jesus, will you make me clean? Jesus, will you set me free? It's by my faith, by my belief. And then today, I'm going to act on that and believe that you have now truly set me free. God, I pray now that you would help each of us. As we've heard, we've reflected, we've heard all this talk about believing today. Each one of us, I believe, would have an area where you've called us right now. I know you've spoken to us. Help us trust you. Give us the strength we need. God, feed us with promises. Even this morning as I was laying in bed, that you were just feeding me with scripture promises, just coming to mind. I didn't even know where they were in the Bible. I just know they're there. You're feeding me. Feed us promises. God, help us to take our eyes off our problems and to realize that you're bigger than they are. 
And God, we just want to tell you, we praise you. Praise you for who you are. Praise you for what you're doing. We love you, God. Thank you so much for allowing us to know you and to walk with you and be in your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.